Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Brownsbridge Church podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Brownsbridge Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out more information about Brownsbridge Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, we had uh, some fun last week kicking off this new series, uh, Better Broken, and uh, excited that you guys are here for week two of it. And uh, if you are just catching, uh, catching up with us, just joining us today, I want to give you a little bit of a, an overview. We basically talked about how last week um, that things are constantly breaking in our lives. Uh, isn't life just like one project after another? Um, anybody have to uh, fix something this week in their house, uh, their, their job, their marriage? Um, something like maybe their car. Um, yeah, so things are constantly breaking. It's constantly requiring our attention. As a result, as a, as a result throughout life, we are constantly fixing things, aren't we? And we've really become um, uh, pros at it in a lot of ways. Um, you, uh, you may not even think that you're that handy. Like you may say, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not real handy. I'm not real good at that. But the, the reality is you're probably a pro at fixing something because things are constantly breaking in our lives. And, uh, but what we talked about, what we introduced last week was this idea that there are some things in life, there are some things in life that don't need fixing. There are some things in life that are better broken. And we introduced uh, the first idea last week of, of pride. And we're gonna get into some of those others today. But to help me out this morning, um, I've got some volunteers that are gonna join us. Can we give a big round of applause to our friends at the dojo as they make their way out here? Come on, come on. This is Max, Finley, and Castiel, and this is Josh right here. Josh, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. Josh, longtime uh, Brownsbridge attender, has volunteered in a ton of different ways. You may have seen Josh in the hallways, or you may know Josh because your kids attend the dojo in South Forsyth. So we've got some trained professionals here that are gonna help us today. Josh, can you introduce them to us real quick? For sure. Right here, we have my man, Finley. He's one of our newer students, but he's a rock star. That's why he's Job on Finley. stage. My man, Mad Max, he'll be running the dojos one day, that's for sure. Oh, we have okay. Castiel, he has something special for y'all planned. And this is Connor Chastain. Um, Connor. He competes all over. Um, he's one of the best competitors out there right now all over the okay. nation. He's fantastic, so he has something okay. fun too. That's awesome. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna spar each of them personally that's on right. stage. And uh, no, that's not gonna happen. But uh, each, of our, each of our friends here has a sign with something on it that is better broken. And so we're gonna just, again, as kind of an illustration of what we're doing in this series, we're gonna have them break that. So we start with, who we start with, Max, Finley? Or? Finley first. Finley. Um, if y'all don't mind, once they break the board, show them some love, make them feel um, some support. For sure. Brown, a big Browns Bridge of Pride. All, right. All right, here we go. Finley, show them that board Finley, first. come on, what you got? Bad habits, bad habits, yes. Here we go. Right over here. Right here. Oh! We have Max. Here comes Max. Max has got fear. Fear is better broken. Next up, we got Castiel. Castiel, show him here. Selfishness, yes. Being selfish is better. Broken. Ho! 
And I, I think we got one more. Connor, Connor's got one here. Which one do you have, Connor? Pride. Okay, yep. We talked about it last week that pride is better broken. So let's see here. Another big round of applause for our friends at the dojo. Thanks, Josh. Hey, great job, guys. Great job. Great job. Castiel, right here. Wave to them. Say goodbye. Bye. Thanks, Connor. Great job. They're going to be out on the lawn uh, after the service, so you can go pick up your kids and then head out to the lawn if you want uh, your kids to break a board, learn how to break a board, maybe take some of the aggression and, you know, the energy that... They have uh, take out some of that this afternoon. So anyways, our friends at the dojo, they'll be out on lawn afterwards. But uh, yeah, this, this is the idea, right? That there's some things in life that are better broken. Some things in life are better broken. And we started with this last, uh, this, excuse me, this list last week of the things in life that we don't need to fix. Envy, bitterness, fear, insecurity, bad habits, pride, apathy, selfishness. And as I said last week, like this, this list is not all encompassing. There's many other things that we could add to this list, but there's things in life that we eventually deal with, we eventually face, and if we're fortunate, we'll become aware of them. We'll have some sort of a, an aha moment, like, oh, I'm being selfish here. Oh, I'm, I'm trapped in fear here. And, and then we deal with that thing and we kind of grow out of it and we, come, we become you know, a, a better version of ourselves, a healthier version of ourselves, a less selfish version of ourselves and we kind of go along through life and we think we're fine. But what happens is that when those things aren't front and center anymore, without knowing it, we can start putting them back together. Without knowing it, we can start fixing these things. We can start putting back together our selfishness or we can start putting back together our bitterness or we get out the duct tape and we get that thing, that, that fear, that thing that we struggle with, with, with fear and we begin to duct tape or super glue our fear back together. And our expertise in fixing things, our, our handiness really isn't even needed with these things. I mean, these are things that we can fix with our eyes closed. I mean, isn't it true that we can start up a bad habit again without even trying? We, we can start up a bad habit again really without even knowing that we're doing it. And when we do, when we begin to fix these things in our lives, we end up undermining the things that we care about most. It ends up affecting our relationships it ends up affecting the, the people that are closest to us. It can affect our careers. It undermines our very life. These things, as we're saying in this series, these things are better broken. And we are better when they're broken. And if you're not a Christian, you're not a person of faith, um, th this series is gonna be helpful to you. It's gonna be very, very practical, but it's not just a self-help thing. It's not just about, improving our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, uh, it's really core to our relationship with him. You see, the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to break these things. And it's an invitation to keep them break, broken. And as we follow him, he's gonna lead us to places in our lives where he makes us aware of these things. And then he's gonna walk alongside us and in us to help us break these things and to keep them broken. So today, week two, we're gonna talk about this one right here, envy. And just so that we're all on the same page, I'm just gonna define it for us as we get started. But here's the, the dictionary definition of envy. It's a feeling of discontented, 
or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or love. Again, we all know what envy is, but just to be on the same page. And here's two questions for us as we get started today. When, when was the last time, when was the last time that you were envious? And then what specifically, what were you envious of? When was the last time you were envious? And what specifically were you envious of? Um, I've got a really embarrassing example and I will share it with you this morning as long as you don't tell anybody. Is that okay? Is that a deal? Uh, For me, when I thought about this, uh, it was about a month ago. And um, uh, some of you may know this, but our uh, senior pastor, Andy Stanley, spoke at the Capitol. He did the opening um, chaplain of the day. It's about a little 10-minute message to open up the the state house of representatives. And um, he did an incredible job. I mean, you should go watch it. It's, it's, uh, It's amazing. It'll make you proud of our church. It'll make you proud of what you're a part of if you call Brownsbridge home. But um, it was an, you know, just an amazing, again, only about a 10 minute talk, but it was, it was really, really powerful. And um, I was with my leadership team here at Brownsbridge, some of the other staff, and we all watched it together. And uh, we, we got to the end of it. And again, I didn't know this in the moment. It was only later looking back that I, that I was able to kind of diagnose this. But the reality was I was envious. I was envious of the incredible job that he did. I was envious of the attention that he was getting. I was envious of, of the skill that he has in communicating. And so what did I do? I uh, ended up trying to get the attention back on me. And again, I'm, I'm embarrassed to share this, but I end up trying to like make some sort of joke to kind of get some attention or get some laughs or, 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 or get people, you know, to, to kind of turn their attention back towards me. And, and the reality was it was really, really sloppy. And thankfully so, because um, it revealed itself for what it was. You know, if it, if it hadn't been so sloppy, if, if, if it, you know, if people kind of laughed at it, we, we kind of moved on and I would have never thought about it again. But I just, I knew in the moment, I was like, well, that was, that was awkward. Like, what's going on there, you know? And I started thinking about it and I realized very, very quickly, God brought it to my attention and my heart was just broken over the fact that I was so envious. And so I ended up, I ended up about within the next 30 minutes having to, to, to reach out to each of the, the folks on the leadership team who were there and just apologize. I was like, guys, that was just sinful. That was prideful. And, and really it was envy um, that was at play. So again, what was going on here was a discontented and resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or love. For me, it was the attention that he was possessing in that moment. It was the qualities that he had, his, his skillful, skillful nature of communicating. And I got envious. And thankfully, it came to my attention. I was able to own it and apologize and kind of in that moment, break it. Um, but this right here is why envy is better broken. We all have a tendency or a temptation to get envious in life. I don't know how it plays out for you specifically. But when it does, we become discontent and we become resentful. And none of us wants to live this way, do we? I mean, nobody like in the morning, they're thinking about their day. Okay, I need a word for the day. Okay, I think I got it, resentful. (laughs) I'm gonna be resentful today. It'll be lovely. You know, no one looks at their week and says, you know what? You know what I could use more of this week? 
I just, I need more discontent in my life this week. Let's see if we can seek that out. No, nobody, nobody wants that in their lives. We know that uh, we're gonna miss out on the joy of life and, and the things that we really wanna experience when we're discontented and resentful. So, lesson for today, don't be envious. Don't be jealous. Let's close in prayer and we'll get out of here. Right? No, if, if only it was that easy, right? We all know this. We, we know that, hey, we, we, we shouldn't be envious. We shouldn't be jealous. We know that it doesn't have the effect on our lives that we want it to have. Um, and so what do we do? How, how, do we, how do we handle envy? How do we keep envy broken in our lives? And so as we start this conversation today, I wanna point out one of the things, one of the things that makes it so challenging for us is the fact that there's so much of these. There's so many possessions so many qualities, so much uh, seeming luck that other people have in their lives, aren't, isn't there? And, and really more today than ever before, we have access to what people have. We have access to the situations that they're living out and experiencing in life. If you're on social media, it's like, it's like a never ending scroll of people's possessions, their qualities or luck. You know, the funny thing, I, I love that luck is put in the, in the definition there, because a lot of the times when envy gets stirred up in us, it's because it's like, wait a second, that that person, they don't deserve that, you know? Well, they didn't earn that. Like they just, they just got lucky. You know, they were just in the right place at the right time. And now they're living their hashtag best life ever. And it's all a result of luck. But again, that's what makes it so challenging. That's why it's not, it's not just, hey, let's just, not be envious, not be jealous, and we can implement that in our lives and keep rolling. No, it's much, much harder than that. And there's a key in the definition that I want us to see today. And it's gonna help us as we begin to move towards that thing that will break envy and keep it broken. And it's this phrase right here, someone else's, someone else's. You see, envy, envy is impossible when you're looking at what is yours. Envy can only happen when your attention is turned to someone else's stuff, someone else's skills, someone else's situation, their possessions, their qualities, their luck. It's like in life, you've got something and they've got something. Envy can't happen when you're focused on what is yours. It's impossible when you're focused on what is yours. Envy can only happen when we turn and begin to focus on someone else's. That's when envy shows up, is when we begin to make this shift right here. And when we make this shift and begin to focus on someone else's, all of a sudden the thoughts start rolling in. The questions start rolling in. The curiosities, hmm, how did they get that? How did they end up in that spot in life? And eventually envy begins to rise up in our lives. When when we make that shift from focusing on what's ours to focusing on someone else's. Jesus talked about this. In the parable that we're gonna look at today, he addresses this uh, very idea when it comes to envy. And just to give a a little bit of context for where we're headed this morning, Jesus had just had this interaction with a rich man. 
And the rich man said, hey, how do, how do I inherit eternal life? And, and uh, Jesus says, hey, sell all your possessions and, and give, give all your money away. And, um, and so he, he, he said, the man went away sad because he had great wealth. And this creates this conversation with the disciples. They're all there watching this, seeing this interaction. And so they start talking back and forth about wealth and possessions. And, and Peter eventually asked, hey, hey, Jesus, what, what will there be for us? What will there be for us? Because we've left everything to follow you which was true. The disciples had, had left their, uh, not just their possessions, they had left their professions. They had left being fishermen or, or um, uh, Matthew left being a tax collector and, and uh, they left their families, they left their hometowns, they left the security of their life behind. And, and Peter kind of brings this up like, hey, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What will there be for us? And Jesus in this conversation is trying to change the way they think about stuff about things, about possessions, about circumstances in life. He's trying to change the way they see things. He talks about how it's not just what we have now and it's, not, it's, it's, it's a now and a later thing. It's it, how, do you, how do you value what's in your life now? How do you look forward to what's gonna be in your life later? And as they're in this conversation going back and forth, I imagine Peter's question was kind of birthed out of potentially some envy. He saw what this other man had in life and he's going, hey, Jesus, we've given up a lot for you. What are we gonna get? There was probably some envy going on there. And so Jesus surfaces this conversation and then he tells this parable. He says, for the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus was always talking about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. It's essentially uh, how things work in God's economy. Jesus specifically came, he said it multiple times, he came to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And he came to let every single person know that they were invited to participate in the kingdom of God. No one, no one was excluded. Everyone could experience it. He was always talking about this, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And oftentimes he would use parables to explain it. And so in this uh, specific uh, instance, he's using a parable to explain the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And, And typically this is just a made up story but there will be a significant moral of the story or a significant lesson to come out of it. It says, for the kingdom of heaven, it's like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. So we have this, uh, this, this landowner, he, he's got vines, he needs workers to help, um, help uh, harvest or, or to help plant or grow, whatever it is. And so he goes out early in the morning and he hires workers for his field. He, he says, it says that he agreed, he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Now, this would have been a typical day's wage, a very uh, fair amount, a common amount to pay someone for a day's wage. About nine in the morning, about nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. So most likely that first group that he hired would have been around six in the morning, right at, right at daybreak. So at 9 a.m., he goes out and he begins to hire more people. He, he told them, he saw the folks standing in the marketplace. He says, you also go work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. So he doesn't tell us how much they agreed to, but he essentially said, hey, I'll pay you a fair wage to go work. He went out again at noon and again at three in the afternoon and he did the same thing. And then once more at about five in the afternoon, about five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, he asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? And they respond, they said, because no one's hired us. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Now at five o'clock, they probably would have only had about an hour left 
um, of, of work. 6 p.m. was probably when they were wrapping up. And it says this, that when, any, when evening came, probably 6 p.m., the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So the folks hired at 5 p.m. I want you to pay them first. And then the folks that came first thing in the morning, they're gonna get pay, paid last. And the order, the order matters here. Because if he starts with the earliest workers, the ones that came at 6 a.m., they get paid and then they leave and they go on with their life as usual. They wouldn't see what the last ones got paid, the 5 p.m. people got paid. And this is where the lesson of this parable will come out. If, if the order is reversed, if he, if he pays the first people first, there is no parable. There is no lesson. And the reality is for us in our day and age, the same thing happens to us every day, that there are people in our world that have all sorts of things that we could be envious of that we don't see. We don't see it. It's not front and center. So we just go on with life. We don't struggle with envy. We don't struggle with jealousy. It doesn't bother us. We don't question. We don't, huh, we don't judge. People have all sorts of stuff and, and, and we don't get envious of it because we don't see it. But when it becomes visible, uh-oh. <laughs> when it becomes front and center in our lives, when it becomes front and center on our social media feed, you know, when it becomes front and center in the neighborhood, it's in their driveway and you drive by every day and you see it, that's when envy can rise up. So the order, the order is so important here in Jesus's parable. He continues, he says, the workers, workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came in and each received a denarius. So they got a full day's wage. They got a full day's wage for one hour of work. Which at this point in the parable, it's like, okay, that's totally fine. The, the people who were hired at 6 a.m. in the morning and worked the full day, they're seeing this happening and they're going, oh yeah, payday, baby. This is awesome. If the people at 5 p.m. got paid a denarius, how much is he gonna pay us? This is gonna be incredible. He said he was gonna pay us a denarius, but I mean, there's no way he's gonna pay us a denarius now if he paid the people that came here and worked an hour a denarius. Like we are about to cash in. And that's what Jesus says next. So when those came who were hired first, the 6 a.m. crowd, they expected to receive more. Of, of course, they expected to receive more. They had worked the whole day and these, the, the five o'clock people, they had, they had probably only worked an hour. But each one of them also received a denarius. What? <laughs> this is gonna be a real shocker to you, Okay. But this is what Jesus says next. He says, when they received it, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Shocker, right? But you think about it, it's like, why would they grumble? Why would they grumble? Isn't that what they agreed to work for? Wasn't the, con the contract, the handshake, the whatever they did when he said, hey, I'll, I'll pay you a denarius to come work my field. I mean, they signed off on it. They agreed to it. And, and then the landowner, he held up his end of the bargain. He said, here you go. Here's a denarius, just like we agreed upon. So why would they grumble? It was only when they saw what someone else had that they began to grumble. It was only when their attention was brought to what someone else was given 
And then they begin the questioning. Wait a second, what did they deserve? How did they deserve that? They begin the judgment. Did they really work? Did they really work hard enough to deserve that? They begin to grumble and complain. This is what they said. They said, these who were hired last worked only one hour. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work. We worked 12 hours today and we had to deal with the heat of the day. And those other people came in here. It was like 60 degrees and breezy. Like they were loving life from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And oh yeah, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. That's one hour. We were here 12 hours. It was 97 degrees. The humidity was 110%. It was a virtual oven out here we were working. The landowner responds. He answered one of them. He says, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay, take your pay and go. Which again, if if they had never seen what everyone else got, this is what they would have done. This is exactly what they would have done. They would have just gone on about life. But instead they, they, they saw that and it created the whole problem, but it also created the parable. The landowner says, I want to give the, the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right? The landowner asks. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? At that point, it's like, they're going, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. And then Jesus lands the plane on this parable with this statement right here. It says, or, landowner says this, or are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because I'm generous? I love the King James version of this verse right here because it uses the phrase evil eye. He says, do you have an evil eye towards my generosity? Evil eye was another translation of envy or jealousy. What Jesus is saying through this parable, he's, he's saying, hey, look, what they're envying is the landowner's generosity to others. And this is a, a parable. And, and again, in every parable that Jesus teaches, there's always, or there's often a God figure. In this parable, the landowner is the God figure. This is a parable about God's grace. This is a parable about God's generosity. The grace that and mercy that he lavishes on each one of us. That it's offered to every single one of us, regardless of what we've done, regardless of, of how much we've achieved in life or how good we've been. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven and redeemed and set free. Both to the first and the last. It's a parable about his grace. It's a parable about his generosity, but Jesus is also showing us what we as humans can do in response to God's generosity. We can get jealous. We can get envious. We can get entitled and make life about us. We can get judgmental. And as we do, that envy and and all that goes along with us begins to bubble up and bubble over in our lives. Yet all the while, God's just being generous. He's just being generous. 
It should be, it should be something that we celebrate. It should be a reminder to us of his lavish grace on our lives. But again, the challenge, the temptation is to become envy of God's generosity in someone else's life. Sometimes, sometimes what we need to hear is the landowner's word, his words in the parable. Those, those moments of intense envy where we're, we're beginning to battle, it's beginning to stir up in our hearts and in our minds. And we kind of just, man, we just, mm, you know, it's can't try, trying to think of something nice to say about the person, but like our envy just has us chained up, has us bound up. In those moments, we need to remember the words of the God character in Jesus's parable, the landowner. He said this, he says, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. I love that he uses this word friend. Again, giving the idea that God's not a boss. He's not an angry judge or, uh, you know, watching over us, just waiting for us to mess up. He's a friend. That's the way Jesus described God in this parable. And Jesus even told his disciples this in John 15. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know about the master's business. I call you friends. He says the same to me and you today. He's shown us so much kindness. And in his kindness, he he says, look, look, I'm not being unfair to you. I'm not being unfair to you. My generosity elsewhere doesn't mean I'm not generous to you. He's saying your whole life, your whole life, if you looked at it, has been gift after gift after gift from God, your creator, your father. It's not been perfect. There's certainly been suffering. There's been brokenness in the world that we've all experienced, we've all tasted, but your life, my life has been gift after gift after gift. God's generosity on display time and time again and his generosity elsewhere. His generosity elsewhere does not mean he's not generous in our own life. So to combat our envy when it begins to rise up, when when you feel that thing that's just beginning to grab your attention, beginning to grab your mind, beginning to grab your heart, I want you to do two things. I want all of us to do these two things. The first is appreciate. And you may hear that and say, oh, just be thankful. And it's, it's more than that. To appreciate means to recognize the full worth of. It's not just give thanks for It's not like, oh God, thanks for the food, amen. You know, thanks for the meat, let's eat, amen. You know, it's not just offering up a quick, oh yeah, thank you, you know. No, it's it's a true recognition of the full worth of what God has done in your life. What God has given in your life. What God has provided in your life recognize the full worth of those things. Observe them, see them. And not just like, oh yeah, God's been good, you know, but it's like, no, actually the full worth, like you see how amazing it is that he's been present with you and he's loved you. And and when you've fallen down, he's picked you back up and you went through that thing in life and you, you thought God was punishing you, but later you found out, no, it was a grace on your life. And God was actually walking through that thing with you or even currently right now, He is walking with you through something. 
We just spent time diving into this. There's so many things that each of us would recognize. It's the recognition. To recognize the full worth of this, this part, this first step is inward facing. It's really all about us. It's, it's what's in my life. You want to see what's there. You want to see God's hand in it. And this is one of the beautiful things about following Jesus. If you're not a Jesus follower, one, one of the coolest thing that happens when you put your faith in him and you begin to follow him is you actually look back earlier in your life and you can begin to see places where God was present and you never knew he was there. It's like, oh yeah, that thing that happened in college. Like now I see the providence of God in that because of where it led me ultimately. And you begin to retroactively look back and see his hand in your life. It's the reason why we want you to follow Jesus. It's life-changing, not just now and not just forward, but honestly, the way you look back on your life to begin with. So this is the first step. It's inward facing and it's the most important one. This is where we've got to start. We got to start with recognizing the full worth of. Only when we've done this, can we move on to the second. And the second is this, celebrate. Now, this, this is the harder of the two because this is specifically celebrating what we see in other people's lives. This was inward facing. This is outward facing. Celebrate what others have. Celebrate their success. Even celebrate their luck. Even when they don't deserve it and it looks like, man, they, just, they were just in the right place at the right time. See it as God's grace to them. And I want us to say this when we celebrate, good for them. Good for them. Let's all say that together. Let's just say good for them. One, two, three. Now, not like pouty, okay? (laughs) Not like, good for them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Good for them. 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 Oh, good for them. Not like pouty, not like half-hearted, but genuinely celebrating it. Genuinely celebrating it. Good for them. We're gonna say it again, this time again, with our hearts just in a really good place, all right? No bitterness. Bitterness is broken. We're gonna break our envy by doing this. We're all gonna say good for them on the count of three. And I don't want you to just say it today. I want you to say it this week as well, okay? Here we go. One, two, three. Good for them. That was much better. That was much better. But the way we do this The only way to really genuinely say good for them is we've got to see it as God's generosity displayed. It's God's generosity displayed. And when we're saying good for them, what we're really saying is, thank you, God. Thank you, God. that's, That's not the way you've shown generosity to me, but you're showing generosity to them. See the heart of God in it, that he is a good, gracious, loving, heavenly father. See the character of God in your stuff and in theirs. Appreciate what's yours. Celebrate what's theirs. Because it's ultimately all God's anyway. It's ultimately his generosity to us and to them anyway. So appreciate what's yours. Celebrate. What's theirs? Recognize the full worth of what God has done in your life. Start here. And and my suggestion would be spend a lot of time here because it will free you up. 
And it'll open you up to be able to celebrate what's theirs. To see God's generosity in their lives. This, this is what will break the envy that we are so prone to. It's not easy. It won't be easy. We must, must, must spend time with Jesus to get this right. Following him, listening to him, learning from him, and he'll ultimately shape our hearts and our minds. But as we veer away and we begin to kind of do our own thing and, and we're ultimately just left to ourselves, we follow our own heart and our own desires, well, then we begin to fix our envy without even knowing it. We start duct taping that thing back up. We start, you know, get out the screw gun and some screws and, and you know, we'll, we'll put that thing back together again. We repair it. And as we repair it, it ultimately takes over in our lives. And then we're left resentful and discontented. And we stay stuck there. But instead, instead we can appreciate and celebrate and keep envy where it belongs. Envy is better broken. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can talk about your grace and your generosity and even just talking about it, even just thinking about it for a few minutes, it makes me take a breath. I know it makes many of us just kind of take a breath and go, oh yeah, like why was I so worried? Why was I so envious? Why was I so jealous? When all the while you were generous. Thank you for your generosity to us. I pray that each of us in here, even even if we're just brand new to church and we don't know what we believe about you, God, I pray that just each of us, each of us would see your generosity in our lives. We would recognize the full worth of it. And God, that would open us up to celebrate your generosity in other people's lives. Help us do this. We can't do it on our own. We gotta walk with you and experience your power in this way. We ask that you'll do that this week. In Jesus' name, amen.